I am an attorney with the NCLL National Center for Life and Liberty. Uh, my world kind of falls into three parts. Uh, I am a trial attorney. Uh, I try cases, we litigate, we defend churches like this one. Uh, we also prosecute cases to protect rights, and whether it's up on appeal or before the Supreme Court, we try the cases. Uh, number two, I work in public policy. Uh, we have an office in Washington. We meet with the Congress weekly. And by the way, how many believe the Congress needs some help right now? I mean, they're losing a little connection. It's not just on faith and family issues, but uh, better than half of our elected officials are multimillionaires. Uh, how many believe they lose touch with reality? Uh, house payments, car payments, and the real world where people are at. So we try to be your voice in Washington. And then number three, I do try to be a voice to the culture. I do that through media. Some of you mentioned you hear Law Talk Live. That is on the uh, Moody Network, Saturdays, noon to one. And uh, you can pick that up and call in or listen on your phone. They now, how many figured out the smartphones are smarter than the people at this point? Okay, we, we've got these gadgets and devices. Uh, but then also do a daily Law Talk 5, and then do the Fox News and some of the television. Also do seminars. So we're going to be uh, continuing our seminar series this year where we try to help churches avoid difficulty. And then I have the privilege, as I did here this morning, of preaching in churches and trying to be a voice in our culture. We are going to open to the floor momentarily, but I do want to just put one comment out that sort of builds on what your pastor is saying. Uh, how many figured out, number one, times have changed in America? Okay, and, and by the way, talking to a church, and by the way, what a great church. Love your church. Love the energy of your church. Love the passion of your church. But we do need to realize that times have changed in America. Uh, things you used to be able to do now all of a sudden can create litigation. And so we, we do need to acknowledge it is a, a different day but then number two, not only have times have changed, but nothing wrong needs to happen at this church for an allegation to be made. Uh, we now live in a society where the allegation gets made, and, and it could be an innocent person. And statistically, the insurance companies say about 80% of the time, allegations made at church are either exaggerated or not true. But the allegation hits, it hits the media, people can be um, in trouble with social services, the police, or others. And so you do need to realize that while you want to effectively and aggressively minister, how many believe we need to do it wisely like never before? And, and that's why, like in, in your VBS, and I know you're working through uh, some adjustments, your bus ministry, other outreaches, very important uh, that you screen your workers. Uh, how many understand that uh, you can't put people around the kids that aren't safe or appropriate to be there? Um, and, and by the way, legally, you got the right to make any determination you want. Uh, how many believe if a child's safe anywhere, he should be safe at church? And, and, and everybody in the world fits into one of two categories, people who should work with kids and people who shouldn't work with kids, okay? And and, and the reality is we, we want to make sure that we're, we're careful with that. And then you want to have policies, and, and I know you do, but you want to be careful, you know, not to be alone with the children. Uh, how many understand one false accusation and you could go to prison as an innocent person? That's why it's important that these type of procedures, you want to have records, you want to know what kids are there. A, a common trick is people will sue over things and they weren't even there. 
They make an allegation and they say, I went to this church and they beat me up, they abused me, they did bad things to me, and the kid wasn't even on the property. Uh, how many figured out people will lie in today's world? And so very important that you keep good records, who was here, the workers that were there, have good policies. And then clearly this church would do this, and I'd encourage you, uh, if there is a bad situation, how many believe we need to get the police involved? You know, and sadly in our society, whether it's in the Catholics, whether it's at Penn State, even in some Baptist circles, uh, how many believe there's been way too much cover-up in our society? And so having an open and transparent children's ministry that parents, community leaders, others can look at and say, you know what, that is done excellently. And most importantly, how many believe we ought to do everything excellently for the Lord? And, and so a pastor just made those comments, kind of got my mind going a little bit. But let's open to the floor because it's your chance to talk. There has to be that brave individual who goes first. It's always a scary person. There he is in the blue. Go ahead, sir. You're brave and bold. You're young. You might be dumb, but go for it. All right, we're ready. I'm teasing. He looks like a great guy. Fire away. All right. Um, this is actually a work-related question. A work-related question. Yeah, Fire away. So um, um, you were talking about being bold earlier today. Yes, sir. Um, I've actually been pretty bold the past month at work. And it's getting to the point to where uh, I'm starting to irritate a bunch of people. Not, okay. not in a bad way, I mean. <laughs> well, no, but let's talk. I mean, let's talk real world here. Hey, you I'm, can irritate people in the workplace. I mean, you've got to be a little careful. So talk to me. What, what, what's going on? G give me what's happening. Okay, so uh, for instance, a new guy comes in and, uh, you know, I ask him if he has a religious preference. And he's like, well, my mom's Catholic. So uh, we get on that subject. And later, you know, I take him and we go and we have lunch. And then after that, you know. Like, I make friends with the guy. Sure. And uh, a lady at my work, you know, I bring her to Easter service when I got baptized. And, you know, I talk to her all the time about, you know, Christian-related stuff. And, um, you know, she makes jokes and cracks about it. But I know that's just the sin in her. So I can't really, you know, be mean to her. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let me, because I've got where you're going. Let, 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 me, let me give you some thoughts, okay? okay. Number one, um, in the workplace, you do have the right to share your faith with coworkers. Okay. Now, let me, let me just be practical here, though. I mean, if somebody is a flaming homosexual atheist activist, how many think you need to be a little careful? Okay, because you're just going to tick them off. And, and I mean, I'm trying to, that's why you do want to build some relationship. You want to sit and look for windows of opportunity to, you know, they're moving, they're transitioning, they're going to a wedding, they went to a funeral, where you can have some conversation. Uh, because people want to know that you care about them before you just come off as preaching or judgmental or legalistic. And that's effective evangelism anywhere is that you have some dialogue or relationship, but you have the right to do it. Now, your boss can limit how you talk to customers. So, like, if you pick up the phone and you're supposed to be saying, hello, this is the business, and you go, hello, if you died today, where would you spend eternity? <laughs> they will fire you, okay? You, you, you cannot, you know, you, they have the right to control how you speak to the customers and the dialogue uh, that you have with them. So, you know, remember, the, the boss can control. Now, they can also put a no-speaking policy. They can say, everybody's silent, you know, we're in a phone room or we're in a lab, you know, and that's fine. It, so it has to be a time that's appropriate to speak, but then they cannot limit your rights. If you can talk about sports, if you can talk about Hollywood or the weather, you can talk about religion, but just on a practical level, it sounds like you're enthusiastic, sounds like you're bold, but be careful that the people you're talking to that you're effectively getting in, and sometimes you need to lay back a little bit and wait for them to show some interest. Next question. Yes, ma'am. 
All right, hold on. Where's my guy with the mic? Up here, brother. Run, run, run. Hustle. Good night. Slow. All right, you know. He looks sportier than he moves. Anyway, all right, you know. He just got some exercise. I would have thought with that slick head he can move, but anyway, I'm sorry. You know, the light, it's like blinding. I can't see. Anyway, no, I'm teasing. Oh, now they're David. You know, the Daves are hanging together, you know. He he was hassling me before I walked up here, if that makes you feel any better. But go ahead, ma'am. I have a social question. A social? Well, Fire away. sort of political. Okay, hit it. Okay, I'm on Social Security. Yes, ma'am. Disability. And almost every year, except for the election year, they claim that there's no cost of living I know, they've frozen increase. it. And they're, it's messing people up. I understand. Well, not only are they doing that, I don't know if a lot of people understand this, but they've cut food stamps incredibly bad. They, they have? Now, pantries are overflowing, and you can barely get in there. There are more people who are under the poverty level. There's than a lot ever of hurting before. people, I agree. And I would just like to know how, I mean, I talk to my senators, I talk to my congressmen, but how do I get that message across? Because these are the people in need. They're not the people who well, have a million dollars to give to your campaign. And, and you are raising some very valid points. Let me hit on, because I think this is a big spiritual issue in our country. And let's talk about it. How as a nation are we spending our money? Okay, now as a government, we take in, I'm talking the federal government, we take in about $2 trillion. How many believe that's a lot of money? Tons of money, okay. But we're spending over $3 trillion. About a trillion dollar a year, a little better actually, deficit. And that's a ton of money. So I think most of you understand, I certainly know this church doesn't want to operate at a one-third deficit, because why? You'd go bankrupt. You, you, you'd be on it. You can't do that. Your family can't do that, a one-third deficit. Um, any business knows you can't run at a one-third deficit for a long time. And the only reason why the United States gets away with it is this incredible borrowing power. I mean, we're able through China and Russia and other places. By the way, have you noticed how sometimes we have to back down like when Russia does invasions or China gets mouthy because we really can't stand too strong because we don't want them to cut off their money. So we're losing some of our status around the world because we are really indebted to these countries and we have to just kind of let them do what they want, even if they trample uh, human rights or civil rights around the globe. So here's the dynamic. We have this huge deficit that is non-sustainable, and we're passing it on to future generations. Now, here's the big issue, okay? Let's just put on the table. We can talk about, you know, cutting PBS or different little things, but it doesn't make a big difference. Um, the major areas of spending, uh, how many believe health care is a big part of it? Okay, Medicare, Medicaid, now the Affordable Health Care Act, big part of it. Social Security, and that's for both the elderly, disabled, others, huge part of the budget. Uh, then you got the military. Uh, how many understand that's a lot of spending? And then you've really got the tax code, all the deductions and all the rates and everything. And until somebody's willing to mess with one of the big four or all four of them, the budget has no ability to readjust. 
And one of the problems is we have political gridlock. Uh, the Democrats are very protective of health care. That's a signature piece of the president's legislation. Social Security, they're very protective of. The Republicans, very defensive of the military, and they want to keep taxes low. And we are on a non-sustainable course right now as a nation. Now you say, where is it headed? Well, absent somebody getting some sanity in Washington, I think you are going to continue to see uh, reductions in benefits. But here's where I think it even gets a little scarier. Uh, how many figured out our country is not protecting innocent life like it once did? And so we're already seeing like the VA administration where they're not taking care of our soldiers and treating them properly. We're already seeing where the elderly and the disabled are not being protected like they should. And so I do think in a nation that doesn't keep compassion uh, for human life, uh, that you are going to see increasing pressure to decrease benefits, decrease health care, or even facilitate death. And there is a big move now even for this right to die. I don't know if you caught in the news last couple of weeks, Switzerland um, now allows senior adults who are tired of being old. Now, how many of you like me are tired of sort of being old? I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's no fun being old, but they just get tired of it. They can just go end their life. And I think we're in a society that no longer says, you know what, life is a gift from God. How many believe we're made in his image? And, and I'll just give you this little thought, and this is kind of a personal passion of mine. If you don't protect innocent life, how many understand you have no other liberty? That's what our founding fathers founded this country on. See, over in England, if the king said off with your head, how many understand not a good day for you? Why? You're dead. They just end it, okay? But they said, you know, if we're going to have freedom, we're going to start with life. Then they went to liberty. Then they went to the pursuit of happiness. And so I do think we're going to have to wrestle as a nation the core values as a nation. And we need to say, you know what, as a nation, we're going to value innocent life. We're going to have compassion for the elderly, the disabled. And then I will just put this on the table. Uh, how many figured out you can't buy friends around the world? I mean, we spend money and think these people like us. I mean, and at some point, I think we need to start charging for our services. And when we go over to Iraq, we spend all this money on this war, uh, and then our fuel prices go through the roof. Uh, how many think we could have pumped a little oil back or something? Till they, you know, it, it, Japan, you know, they got a great economy. They just don't have to spend on the military because they just call us anytime they feel threatened. Well, you know, if Japan started getting a bill every year, that said, okay, you know, for $10 billion, we will provide these services, um, they might think twice, and then we would get our budget back in sync. And so America continues to act like it has money around the globe, but it is creating this budgetary crisis that Washington, D.C. is wrestling with. It is spooky, the amount of money that we are passing on as a debt to the next generation. Next question, somebody on this side. Yes, sir. The great musical talent is far speedier. So uh, questions on this side will be, no, go ahead, sir. Um, understanding that uh, there, in this country we have the separation of church and state, we wouldn't want a church running our government, is also misinterpreted a lot of times between um, separation of God and country. Right. So, as I see 
other cultures coming into society here, is there anything to protect the God of our fathers in the public sector? Sure. I understand liber personal liberties supersede this stuff. Where well, you can believe whatever you want, but as far as in the government and public, is there something that says the God that of our forefathers is really the, let, let, let's, the God let's of Let's hit on a couple parts of your question. Number one, the separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. Okay, so it's kind of an invented concept. And what is in the Constitution is that the government will not establish a religion. Okay, so we're not going to have an um, American church, like the English church. And then number two, that they will protect the free exercise of religion. So those two are always in conflict. Anything you do to protect free exercise looks like you're establishing religion. Anything you don't do to allow religion looks like you're prohibiting free exercise. So there's an inherent tension in those provisions, and a lot of the cases litigate that out. Um, one of the arguments we made in the prayer case was allowing prayers that would mention every other deity except you couldn't mention Jesus is really the establishment of a non-Jesus religion. And by the way, how many believe there is kind of a non-Jesus religion in America? kind of the tolerant, easy go, no standards, you know, immorality's okay, you know, kind of do your own thing. I mean, there is kind of a, a weird religion that's popular in America. They don't call it that. You know, even some people call it the nothing religion. They just don't really believe in anything, but they kind of believe that's good. And so, you know, there is always that tension. Now, what did our founding fathers intend? They always intended for the Bible to be read alongside the Constitution. Okay, they did not want to have an official church where we say this priest, this rabbi, this pastor would be the one that would officially preside over America, but they always understood that biblical principles, core Christian principles, would be read alongside the Constitution. So the idea is that traditional values, references to God and the Bible, would always be within our government. Now, up to the modern day, my argument is that we should allow diversity. We really have two choices. You ban all religion in public life. You just say no prayers anywhere, no mention of God anywhere, no mention of the Koran anywhere, no mention of anything religious. And to me, at that point, you've established a state religion. You've established kind of an atheism, non-deism approach. Or you have to have some plurality. So what I say is, for example, if you have you know, a county commission, and they invite people in to pray. If somebody comes in from the Jewish synagogue, they're going to pray according to their tradition. A Catholic priest will pray according to his or her tradition, I guess his tradition. A Baptist preacher would pray according to their tradition, and we allow that diversity as a good thing in America, but understand that we don't want the government pushing one religion at the expense of another. Uh, the problem we have in our society right now is we have a lot of whiny citizens that complain at even the mere mention of God. And it's generally one or two cranky people. Okay, and they're weirdos. I mean, you know, the reality is, I mean, you know, they, they'll, they, they, they're kind of out there, you know, they, they did a little too much illegal drugs in their college years and messed with their head, and, and they spend their whole life trying to eliminate, you know, any reference to God, Bible, or public religion in a certain community. And the courts have shown them great favor 
Uh, we battle against them. Uh, again, the prayer case that we won at the Supreme Court said, you know what, just because somebody's irritated with a Christian prayer uh, does not mean it violates the Constitution. And you got to remember what the Constitution was, okay? Constitution was a contract between the people and their government. And it was understood that all the government could do is take away rights. And by the way, how many feel they have taken away a few rights along the way? And that it was really saying, no, the government is going to be limited and all rights belong to the people. One of the problems is our government has gotten so big, so expansive, so invasive, so involved in people's lives that it's far beyond what anyone ever anticipated that it would be. And so the concept of a limited government where the people then would have their rights protected was what our founding fathers were hoping for. And, you know, there's a difference in opinion. I mean, President Obama has made comments that um, one of the great failures of our Constitution is it does not talk about what the government must do for the people. And I think that's a philosophical difference. You know, is the government there to provide for the people, or is the government there to protect the people? I understand those are different functions. And, and I do think, and I'll put this out, I think there are some people that have replaced God in their own personal lives with the government. They pray to the government, they look to the government, they want the government to protect them, feed them, care for them, look after them, look after their families, train their children, and they almost, they wouldn't say they worship the government, but their mindset is so government dependent that they don't have any independence in and of themselves or any reliance upon God. Another question. All right, over there. Yes, sir. Sorry, brother, I know you were resting. Go ahead. I understand that the, uh, in different parts of the country, they're trying to push uh, Muslim law Sharia law, over, yes, sir. Sharia law over our law to supersede in our judicial system? Is that, is that going on? It is a problem, okay? Um, Sharia law is the Muslim type, you know, very harsh, um, very um, Quran-driven law. Where that is popping up is in divorce courts, custody courts. You know, we have Muslims here in the country uh, they get divorced or they try to get divorced. I mean, it's kind of a violation of their deal. And these Sharia principles are being wrestled with by American judges. And they don't really know what to do with them. Even in some instances, like children that convert away from Islam might be put to death. So what do you do? You know, do you let the kid go visit his father who wants to go over to Iraq and, you know, maybe kill the kid for converting to Christianity? I mean, there's a lot of tension and so these are often in family courts. And so some states um, have said, you know what, we just don't want to deal with that at all. And so they have banned any reference to Sharia law being used in the court system. Uh, but it is growing in this country. Uh, it is a problem because we are not uh, securing our borders like we should. Uh, how many understand businessmen that want to pay taxes can't get into America and then these people that don't pay taxes and have all this bizarre ideology are able to get into America. And you say, how does that happen? Well, it's just the way our government is not handling its immigration policy uh, coherently. And so we are battling those issues. But yes, Sharia law is an issue and a problem. Question over here. Yes, ma'am. 
Dave, you got the mic in her hand. Oh, oh, she's ready. Go ahead. Hi. I have a multifaceted question. The situation... The first one's free. We charge for the second <laughs> one. Go ahead. I know. It's no problem. The situation with Fellowship Baptist Church... Yes, ma'am. Is that unique to Ohio, or is that occurring in all states? Is it unique to uh, the Baptist faith or independent Baptists, or is it just across the line, um, Catholics, Methodists, um, Muslims, whatever? Um, well, l let, me, l l let me answer your question both ways, okay? Uh, first of all, it is not just unique to Ohio. Every state has a property tax scheme. Some states are tougher. Uh, Pennsylvania is a very unfriendly state, just to use a neighbor. Uh, some states are easier. Uh, Indiana, they just don't pay much attention to it, okay? So I'm just kind of, and here you are in the middle, all right? So I'm just sort of letting you know it, it varies in enforcement. It varies in how the laws are written. But all states have a tax code as to where they exempt taxes. Um, it is supposed to be uniformly applied, okay? It's supposed to be applied to all religions equally, but the problem we have sometimes is they understand other religions differently. So they'll look at a big Catholic deal. If it just has Catholic on it, they don't mess with it. Sometimes they look at the evangelicals or the Baptists a little more closely. Um, the issue that will be put in Columbus next month is the use of the property. And I believe all of your property should be tax-exempt. And by the way, how many agree with that statement? Okay, because it's all used for ministry. Now, if this church went and bought a Burger King just to hold as an investment, wouldn't recommend it, but if you chose as a church to do that, well, then you pay taxes on that. You pay taxes on the income, you pay taxes on the restaurant, you pay taxes on the property. Okay, so that's understood. But if it's anything that you're using in your religious, educational, charitable endeavors, um, it should be off the tax code. And please, or the tax rolls, and please recognize that this is an area because all of these governments are broke. And how many understand they want to push as much charitable property into the tax base as they can and uh, be praying that we are successful uh, in July just for the sake of the church and the um, standing, you know, that you would be able to continue being completely tax exempt as you always have been historically. Okay, we're getting close to winding in. A couple more questions. Anybody over here? Yes, sir. And I realize you have your VBS meeting, so we're not going to go forever. But go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, this is regarding uh, hate crimes. Yes, sir. I'm uh, an opinionated person, and I base most of my opinions on the Bible and what the Word of God says. Amen. And I'm wondering how far-reaching this hate crime idea is when I speak out against things that the Bible speaks out against. And when our pastor preaches it in the church, what, what is the um, direction that they're going with this? Well, they're definitely pushing it. Okay, now, let me hit a couple things. I don't think they're going to haul pastors off to jail for just preaching against homosexuality day one. Why? Because it would create a martyr. I mean, Pastor Tony, he's up here, and, and he preaches a message. All of a sudden, the police come in, and they arrest him, and they walk him out back. CNN's filming it. Uh, his wife, Jen, you'd be crying a little, hopefully. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I mean a, little, a little emotion would go a long way. I mean, if, if, you, if she's smiling, don't say anything. But, you know, 
but basically, all of a sudden, what have you done? You've turned him into a martyr, and he's in jail. People are all upset, it, 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 and it's sympathetic. Okay, I don't think they're going to do that. I think what they are going to do is they're going to chisel away at your ability to speak the truth. Okay, you say, well, how will they do that? Well, they're going to say it is child abuse. Now, that's a scary word. By the way, how many believe that's a horrible word? But it's all in the definition. You know, you told this kid that, you know, he, he was born gay. We all know that. You told him he can't be gay anymore. And you messed with his head. And he's all psychologically upset. And now he has a claim against you. And now all of a sudden the headlines in the paper is, you know, church sued for abuse. I understand you don't get a lot of sympathy. You don't get a lot of warm media. Everybody looks at you like you're a bad person. And so I think what they're going to do is continue pounding on your freedom to do it, but they're going to start one at a time. And then once most of the religious community has flipped, then they will start saying, okay, here's the few churches that are left, and we're going to start prosecuting those pastors, taking away their tax-exempt status, and almost punishing them. A little history, homosexual movement was a crime in all 50 states in 1961. 50 years ago, it's criminal conduct, okay? Anybody know the first state to flip? Not California, not Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois. Illinois, first state to decriminalize it, okay? A few other states followed, then the Supreme Court said you couldn't criminalize it anymore. And you say, how did the homosexuals go from being criminals to being protected? They said, we're going to get five areas. They said, number one, we're going to get the media. And how many believe they did get the media? They said, number two, we're going to get the politicians. How many believe they got the politician? With the politicians, they get the media. Number three, they said, we'll get big business. And if you wonder about that, look what happened in Arizona. They passed a religious liberty law, and boy, the NFL, Hewlett Packard, all these big companies pounded on them to undo it, and they did get big business. They said, number four, we'll get the schools. Um, The public schools have now got all these uh, LGBT clubs, other things, very um, popular to promote the ideology. And so they said, we'll get the schools. And then they said, number five, we will get the churches. Now, as we sit here tonight, you say, they're not getting our church. And I believe that. And by the way, how many believe this church ought to stand on the Word of God? Whether it's popular or unpopular, it needs to be bold, done right. But Religious community, how many figured out a lot of have already changed? I mean, it depends on where the Catholics are. I don't know about you, we're not Catholic, but you see where the Pope's making statements and things, and, and then all of a sudden some of these other mainline denominations, and it's looking like about 80% have gone neutral. Not, not all in favor, but they've gone neutral to being positive, leaving groups like this church in the distinct minority. And so I think what they're going to do is just continue pounding it. Um, they're getting marriage rights. They're going to continue to get other rights and privileges and hiring. Fire. They're just going to keep working it, and they're going to get it down to where it's about 10 or 5% of the churches. And then I do think they're going to get very vigorous in their enforcement and attacking of the churches. Okay, we're about out of time. We're going to do one or two more. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh-oh, you're a fiery <laughs> sword. I know who you are. All right. Yes, let, I, let me guess, you want, to share Jesus, you want to share Jesus in a prison. I, I'm sure of it. You know, you know, go, actually, go. what I want to know okay, far away. is um, if we got a big group of people and went downtown Columbus yes. on the sidewalk, yes. 
with pamphlets yes. about Jesus and yes. also even pamphlets about our own church. Yes. And as we're passing it out, boldly say, do you need any prayer? Just offer pr people prayer. Downtown Columbus on the yes, sidewalks. Can they stop us? We can continue as long as we're not pushing, but yet we're just sharing Jesus. We're showing them Jesus is what we're doing. The, the answer is no. They cannot stop you. Yes. yes, you have the constitutional right to do it. Now I want a group. Now, now but wait. Let, let, let me let I'm me let, let me caveat you gently. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, the size of your group. If you're down there with okay. a thousand people, there's things like parade permits and things that can kick in. Um, if you're blocking the road, traffic, you know, but okay. if you're just on the sidewalk, and then if somebody gets miffed, don't block a business, okay? If somebody's got a little store downtown and you're corralling all of their customers in and out, they could walk out and say, look, you're, you're scaring my customers, please move along. So, you know, basically... So a police car can't pull up and say, excuse me, you, you can't... No, there's a wonderful little thing called the First Amendment, and it's okay, I want to start speech. a group. Yes, First Amendment. <laughs> and, and if you're ever in prison ministering from the inside, I will help get you out. All right, so we will do it. Um, how, how many say, David, I learned at least one thing tonight? How many learned one thing? Okay, how many are glad you learned it here, not at the courthouse? All right, 